Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farrand, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello, all you cool cats and kittens out there. I've just watched Tiger King, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and today we've got a very special guest. We've got Joshua Rood. Now, Joshua is a PhD candidate researching Old Norse religion and its relationship to Asatru. Hello, Josh. Hello. Hi, hi. How are you doing? Not, not bad, not bad. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Welcome. Now, seeing as Matthias has mentioned it already, have you, uh, have you seen Tiger King? I have, I have, I have. Um, I was actually, but I, I have a really bad memory, so I was gonna say fuck whatever her name is, the lady. <laughs> oh, Carol, Carol Baskin. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw it, and and I and I've already. You know, binged his 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 art, his his videos, his music videos. <laughs> oh, did you know that? Um, this is an interesting thing. the The music videos that's not actually him singing. Yeah, he's, he's lip he's uh, lip syncing. So he's paid somebody to do the singing, and then he lip syncs the videos. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, it makes it even better. It 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 does. Oh wow, that's so. No, it's, um, I mean, <laughs> it's just amazing to see what, uh, what Netflix is doing for us here in the quarantine times, you know, <laughs> thanks so much. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're definitely up there. I just saw that, uh, 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 Joe, Joe Exotic got, got diagnosed with, uh, he, he, he has Corona. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that yeah. was, that's, that's, uh. Quite coincidental timing, isn't it? It is. I mean, I think that's what we're seeing a lot these days. Uh, I mean, of course, prisons are going to be, you know, places where a lot of people are going to get effect- infected so quickly, right? Close quartered and, you know. Yeah, I think I think Iran was one of the first places that started releasing prisoners because it was just such a hub for, for, um, for infection. I mean... I've never been to Iran, but I can't imagine the prisons are the most sanitary. No, probably not. <laughs> I mean, they're not here, so... <laughs> no, that's that's for certain. I know in the UK, I think they've been having issues with it as well, with, you know, it, it just passing so quickly through through prison systems. Yeah. So, Josh, you're originally from New York. Um, New York is currently the sort of the epicenter of a major... Uh, infection right here in the in the U.S. Um, what do you what do you feel about all of that? I I feel that I um, am safely living in Norway, <laughs> far away, <laughs> so, and so I'm just watching where where uh, I, I think that Norway has been handling it uh, quite well. Um, so I've just been watching it from afar. Uh, no, I, 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 my thoughts, I, I don't know. Um, we talked a little bit about be, uh, before the podcast, uh, how uh, my mother is working directly with this, uh, with the, the, she's, uh, I don't know exactly what her job is, but uh, mediating between the CDC and the infection control and uh, the, the hospitals down in New York, not New York City, upstate New York. Um, so I've I've been hearing a lot about it from her, and uh, I get a lot of my 
I, I go right to every day. I check the CDC and the World Health Organization just to look for updates and uh, talk to my mother. I don't know. I've got mixed opinions. I think we all do. We're trying to kind of see how this thing plays out. Um, but nobody in my family is is infected, and uh, my mom deals with it every day. So right. Well, nobody that we know of is infected because this is one of the things. Is they are they are finding out. They are finding out that significantly more people have been infected uh, than they previously thought, which is good and bad news. It's good news because it means the rate of death is actually significantly lower than they thought it was. Uh, I just saw a report out of Italy actually yesterday uh, stating that. Um, and that's, that's a good thing. It's a bad thing because it means it's potentially so widespread that we that we we don't know how well we even can contain it. It's a good thing because it, it might not be as, and this is, of course, this doesn't help anybody who has actually lost somebody to it, but it is hopeful news to know that uh, a widespread virus has a lower uh, death rate than originally thought. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's a good point. So, so, how, so how is Norway handling all of this? I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of know, but I, I, I don't, uh, I, I only kind of, I follow the news here and there. I'm not particularly fluent in Norwegian yet. Um, uh, but, but Norway, I felt from what I have understood has been taking pretty reasonable precautions. Um, big gatherings are, are of course banned. Uh, bars are shut down. Massage parlors are shut down. Um, gyms are shut down, which has been real. That's been a struggle. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it, you know, you can you can't get together. You can hang out with with uh, you know members of your own household, but between people that aren't of the same household, you can have gatherings of more than five people. That's I think the most strict thing that I can think of. But all the stores. It's it's not just essential stores that are open. Uh, the beer stores are open. You can um, uh, the clothing stores are open. Normal stores are open. So the 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 majority of the economy is still still moving. People are still out. People are still doing stuff. They're just not you know. Uh, restaurants are still open as long as they can guarantee. It used to be one meter between people, but then they extended it to two meters. So you got to six, you know, sit at a distance from each other. That's got to be a little difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it allows, but it at least allows restaurants to keep some kind of a business going. Now that's very different from Denmark. I mean, Denmark has closed down, you know, uh, clothing stores and you know those kinds of like inessential. Um, shops and and restaurants and so on so that that's a very different that the way that they're doing it in norway yeah maybe but uh i think danes are a lot more social than norwegians so we get to just rely on <laughs> the natural the, the natural norwegian desire to stay the fuck away from people and and truth be told and truth be told i mean the the uh, the infection rate it's been like a rainbow it's been gradual and it's 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 quite well under control um so I'm I'm hopeful the the um, the lockdown or if you can call it a lockdown uh, ends or supposed to end after Easter, and uh, I'm I'm rather hopeful, especially since we now understand a lot more about Corona now than we did a month ago. Um, yeah. No, I think 
I think there's not a like a one size fit all kind of uh, scenario here for how you deal with it. It looks like as long as uh, you implement sort of uh, rules for precaution, it seems to be working out in different ways. I think it's this. It's such a different range of people. I think it depends on, like your population size as well. I mean, imagine the population of New York, LA. They're they're a country in themselves, aren't they? Whereas, same with like I guess the UK and London, it's such a densely populated area. You can't necessarily apply the same rules there as you would, you know, into the into the middle of nowhere or maybe to Norway, Sweden, where people are a little bit more separate, have a little bit more space. Yeah, yeah, probably not. I mean, I've this is this has been a, a pretty good quarantine. I, I live out in a, a small. Uh, I live in the in the basically in the forest. And it's just a little cluster of different houses. We get along really well with our neighbors. And we sit outside because the weather's gotten nice. So we sit outside drinking beers around the fire. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> That sounds great. <laughs> this week, there have been a lot more people out than in the past. I think people are kind of getting stir crazy. Uh, but but they go to the store and people are <laughs> people are trying to keep two meters apart. So like <laughs> you you the, you try to walk down an aisle and there's a person standing there, so you can't get you have to go around to the other side of the aisle. <laughs> so it's a bit weird. Yeah, I mean, I I've definitely noticed more people out. Kind of the back end of the week. It, it's a lot more than it was, you know, last week and, and the beginning of the week. I think, like you say, people are just getting fed up of it. And so, you know, we're on, in the UK, we're only two weeks into uh, the, the lockdown as such. And it's people are already, I think, fed up of it and want to be out and about. Oh, yeah. No, it's I, I've been, I, I must admit, a couple of times I've just gone, taken the car and just, just gone cruising uh, on the mountain roads up here and the awesome thing about it is that there's nobody there uh, around not even cops so <laughs> right. <laughs> right i i haven't uh, well uh, i haven't gone into oslo into the city since it happened but the the near town seems uh, a week ago or two weeks ago it felt kind of very dead but but now it feels a bit normal i was stuck in traffic the other day coming home from work and i was like what the fuck you're supposed to be home all of you (laughs) (laughs) only i'm supposed to be out that's exactly how i feel if you know if i have to nip out and uh i see loads of cars i'm like oh all these people who are out and about and i'm like you know it's kind of uh i can't really be saying that (laughs) no no my my um uh my uh my wife's sister's boyfriend and I were we we all live in a big house. Uh, my wife and I have the upstairs apartment. They have the downstairs apartment, and uh, which is pretty sweet. And uh, we were out playing basketball, and there was a bunch of kids playing basketball on the other side of the court, and we were like, "What the fuck? You're not supposed to be out." <laughs> well, we're out. <laughs> it was really just that we wanted the whole court to ourselves. Oh, of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get into it. So, Josh. You're you're the lead singer of the band Nexian. Y'all got, just got signed, right? Yes, we did. We just uh, we just signed a, a deal with uh, Avant Garde, which uh, which is a pretty. They gave us a really good offer, an offer that we couldn't refuse. We had a we we were negotiating with a few different labels, 
and Avant Garde just gave us a really good offer, so we signed to them, and and then uh, and then Corona struck, and Avant Garde is based out of Milan, Italy, <laughs> so they've been quarantined, uh, but they're still there's you can do most of the stuff uh, from uh, you know most of it's over the computer, so so it hasn't it hasn't affected it in any way. Uh, it and most of the effect is in the uncertainty. Um, I mean, I I can't I can't. There's I, we have some announcements coming up that I can't divulge yet. But but I mean, when you're making music and you're releasing new music, and you're looking at uh, the the world economy and everybody's closed in, um, you don't know you don't know how it's going to you know affect anything because, um, for example, uh. How are you going to release? How are you going to release an album if all of the printers are shut down? <laughs> so, uh, but not, but they're not at the moment. So, but uh, but then usually when you release an album, you follow it up with uh, festivals and tours. But how are you going to do that when you can't have any festivals? All the festivals are shut. The world is shut down. So the festival world in metal has basically been postponed for a year. Most of the bands that were supposed to play this summer are now going to play next summer. So next summer's festivals are going to look a lot like this summer's. So, you know, if you're a band that's put out put, putting out a new album or you're an up-and-coming band, you're going to have a hell of a time getting on a festival if you haven't already been on one. Um, we have a couple that we've already been booked to, so we're a little bit lucky, but but it's it's a uncertain time. What do you think about the digital side of things? Because I assume at the minute everyone's, you know, stuck in there. They're, they're not going out. People are, are craving um, content at the minute. You know, me and Mateus are trying to do extra extra podcasts, get extra guests on, make sure people are entertained. So, do you think there's a there's a niche there in the market that that you that you can tap into with with that? We don't know. We've we, this is something we've we've talked so much about. We've talked about it with the label. We've talked about it with friends that uh, run some other labels. Um, and Avantgarde is a it's a it's a respectable label in the underground black metal world. I mean, they released some of Behemoth's best albums. They released Mayhem, uh, uh, Carpathian Forest, and so it's not an unheard of label. It uh, and so you 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 know that at least you're going to tap into the the flow of people out there to begin with but ironically uh, we don't there are some theories why but uh, streaming streaming data streaming statistics show that streaming has been down um, our our listens have been down on Spotify uh, big bands other bands uh, listens have been down on Spotify record labels have been saying why are our listenings our, our listening is down 15 20% um, YouTube views are down, um, um, and I just said it's because everybody's watching porn. But, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I think the reason is most people stream when they're driving to and from work, or when they're at the office, or when they're going to the gym, and now they're stuck home. So now the hope is maybe they're all whipping out their their vinyl collections. <laughs> no, I, I was, yeah, I was just gonna say you're probably right. You know, I. I'm the type of person who, when I use Spotify, it's usually when I'm driving, you know, and driving driving to work and so on, you know, and listen to music when I work out or, you know, that kind of stuff. But not so much when I'm, you know, working at home. Okay, so Josh, so you're just about to get your PhD in Old Norse religions. Now, how does that tie into 
the music side of things, you know, into black metal. There seems to always be, I guess, this kind of link between metal music and Vikings almost. You, you see it quite common. Yeah, you do. And, and you know what's kind of funny about that is, is, is that uh, the, the, uh, there's not really... Uh, there is a connection, I guess, but uh, for me. But uh, I, I have gone out of my way to... Uh, our music is not uh, also true black metal. It's not heathen metal. It's definitely not Viking metal. Um, it's uh, what uh, I didn't want to get pigeonholed into any category. Uh, so I, you know, I've got my I've got my interests and I've got my my religious spiritual side. But you know, we are multifaceted humans. So. So, uh, I, I, with Nexion, I really, I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm not the only member of the band. There's five of us. And so it has to have a reflection on a lot of our views on stuff. So it's, what I did was, uh, uh, with Nexion, what I would say is if you took H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, Aleister Crowley, and every pessimistic uh, nihilist philosopher from the last 150 years, and they all got together and decided to form a doomsday cult and create a new religion to talk about uh, the modern world. That would be that would be Nexion. <laughs> so um, I like that description. I, I thanks. I it's quite a description. I mean, well, you know, because what I I am so interested in religion, uh, and and the and. Uh, uh, have long been interested in, in the occult in its various forms and uh, alternative spiritualities and uh, uh, also the the darker side of stuff and I, I am such a overwhelming existential nihilist <laughs> uh, that um, um, I wanted to kind of wrap up I wanted to talk about real things. I didn't want to have... There's too many metal bands that sing about fantasy. And and I wanted to be a band that... I wanted to use it cathartically, where I can really talk about things that matter to me. But um, I wanted these things to kind of be encoded in a archaic kind of religious-y feel. So... Uh, you know, and I didn't want to sing about Satanism. It's overdone. I didn't want to sing about, I didn't want to use Nordic stuff necessarily. Um, I tried that with my old band. I tried using my old band to sing about uh, like darker stuff and more nihilistic stuff, but using Norse kind of the, the Nordic aesthetics to kind of do that. For example, Behemoth. Behemoth does this all the time with Mesopotamian and uh, Greco-Roman references um, and yet nobody calls them a Middle Eastern metal band. They they are black metal, satanic, you know. But but if but in my old band, I dared to use even the vaguest of Nordic references, and we got labeled as Viking metal, and it pissed <laughs> me right off. So, <laughs> do, you, do you find it quite hard to keep that that separate? Obviously, having such a an an intense understanding of kind of like the Nordic side of things. Do you find that you just automatically slip it in there or are you quite conscious to keep it out? No, I, you know what I've decided, uh, because I'm, I'm interested in, in, in so much more than just, uh, um, Norse, Norse religion. Uh, you know, I, my, my interests range, you know, 
all over the 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 weird occult and pagan spectrum, um, especially when it comes to ancient religions and and stuff like that. And so what I decided to do was simply kind of draw on all of them to create our own mythology. Uh, and from that mythology, the Nexion mythology, I could then I could then talk about modern things, you know. Um, and I do reference uh, I reference. I reference. Uh, I used to kind of be a little bit more nervous about it, but I've noticed recently that a lot more bands are more quick to reference Norse stuff and not get lumped in as Viking metal. So with this album, with the EP, I tried to stay right away from it. But with the with this album, I've allowed it to slip in. So if you read the lyrics with uh, the next album that we put out, you will see. You'll see references to to Nidhukur and uh, Nortnir and uh, um, various inferences to Norse religion, but you'll see a whole bunch of references to other religions too and stuff like that. So awesome! I mean, being from being from New York or upstate New York, what what got you into this this line of things? Especially with like the 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 Nordic side of things and, and the Norse mythology, and stu- especially studying to a PhD level. Do you remember there being a point that kind of drove you in that direction? Yeah, I do, but it's a long story. <laughs> it, it's simply being, a, when I was a, a, a kid, I was very obsessed with religion. Um, and part of that was because uh, my parents were very young when they had me, but they, uh, my whole family converted to evangelical Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> and very very young Josh um, couldn't I couldn't bring myself to believe it and I didn't like it uh, and this was me at seven seven and eight years old and and I was obsessed with other religions and other cultures and my my grandfather uh, I'm I'm of a I and I want to make a point of saying I'm going to bring up ancestry here but I want to make the point of saying ancestry means nothing to whether a person can be also true or interested in Norse religion. But for me, it was a, my, I have a grandfather who was a Native American. And uh, uh, so we have a mixed, bit of a mixed family. And, and I, and I had this point of reference where it was like the, the, the European stuff was so boring, so Christian, so Christian. And um, I mean, and, and I would go hunting with my grandfather and he would tell me stories and it was so much more, alive um and uh we had to do a, a family background no not a family background uh we had to do a every student uh when i was maybe 11 or 12 had to do research on all of our ancestry we had to go back and ask our family what are you what are you and then we had to learn about those cultures and then we had to tell t- teach all the other kids about that it was a good way to get to know just a little bit about world culture <laughs> And uh, that was when I was looking into, oh, my my Northern European blood, uh, you know, before I, you know, asked my grandmother, well, I, I knew what, you know, uh, uh, I'm of part uh, Swedish descent and, 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 and Celtic as well. But before that, I thought that Sweden was furniture and old people because <laughs> it kind of is <laughs> and, and so then now i go just back yeah it's just a lot of like just really boring really really boring i thought of sweaters and furniture nordic tracks 
and and then I went and I did the research on on Sweden and 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 uh, uh, and I went oh okay once upon a time Europe wasn't I don't know why it takes a you have to be 12 before you realize once upon a time Europe wasn't Christian it was all kinds of other stuff there was once all kinds of gods and, and spirits and and belief in in things that live in the landscape and a relationship with it and it was beautiful to me, and um, I became obsessed with that. And uh, partially because we learn about Greek religion in school, but we don't learn about, or at least in the 90s when I was in school, um, we, didn't, we didn't learn anything about uh, Northern European stuff at all. And so I think that just furthered my obsession with it. Um, and then I got interested in also through, I, 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 I met people who are also through, and I got involved in an also through community in the Northeast United States. And I think that fueled, that definitely helped to fuel it because it gave me inspiration. It gave me people to talk to and it gave me people to point at and say, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I'm going to go do some research. And because <laughs> I, it, and you can ask anybody that has known me back in the Northeast uh, and when I, you know, the also true community there. I'm definitely the guy that likes to say that's not correct, <laughs> and and so that fueled me. And and can I, I yeah? Can I just quickly jump in? I mean, for a lot of people listening, are you able to give like a very quick, basic description of what also true is? Um, because I think a lot of people kind of either don't understand or they get like say these different opinions on it. Oh, definitely from your perspective. Yeah, you're going to get all kinds of people on the internet saying that it's this or this or this. But uh, um, what I, so then I would then give it my own definition, which as a, as a researcher, this is the working definition that I give it. Uh, I use the term also through to refer to uh, the very big umbrella of uh, modern spiritualities and religious groups and religious movements and organizations and individuals who are all religiously uh, inspired by and deriving what they do from Old Norse religion. I would say that is what I call also through. It doesn't matter if they say, no, we're Fornsider, no, we're Altsidu, because they are all within this umbrella. And, and of course, Old Norse religion was also this giant umbrella of all different kinds of stuff. You have to find a way to talk about it. And I don't like using the word heathen because I like to use the word heathen to refer to uh, the, the old umbrella. So <laughs> it's just a nice, neat way for me to have two umbrella packages. <laughs> so yeah, also through is uh, the, the modern neo-pagan gigantic umbrella full of all different kinds of stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that helps at least try and put put things into neat little boxes as, as we always try to say on, on the podcast. Just to try and make some understanding because it's such a complex uh, topic that it's nice to try and get some understanding, especially for people listening. Yeah. Um, so... So obviously, as as you were telling your story of obviously how you got in into this, um, before I interrupted you, uh, you said that you you obviously you came through from your grandfather. Do you want to carry on from there? Uh, I I think I, I I kind of basically that was kind of it. Um, just just n not many young kids are so obsessed with religion and have a reference point to something that is a uh, something of a uh, a native 
pers- a non-world religious perspective that they can draw a reference point to. And, and I kind of had that. And I think that gave me the springing point into... I remember when I was 15, I, I didn't know also through existed at that time. I just knew Old Norse religion was something that I was obsessed with. And I remember saying something like, I don't know if, if anybody believes in this, but but if I love any gods, it's these gods. <laughs> and and it was, of course, a very romantic uh, teenager uh, thing. Um, and so then I, because this was, you know, this was back, I can't, I sound old talking like this, but this was back before... You know, this was back when the internet was young. I mean, it was up, but in the in the late '90s, you guys remember there was no social media, and uh, so you were kind of in a bubble. Yeah, I remember that, where you were like reliant on 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 like you know rumors and info that came from your uh, friends who had you know been somewhere else and you know all that stuff. Right. I I really hate that this is my my springing point, but I actually. The first time I, I had I had discovered the word also through on some I was looking it up because I was like does anybody still do this? There's got to be somebody somewhere that's I can't be the only one that 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 loves this and wants to see it kind of alive. And and I had a teacher who was Wiccan, and I knew that uh, you know there was this neo pagan thing, but she didn't know about anybody who was also through. But she at least gave me this idea that you know pagan religions can be revived and um so i yeah so i discovered the word also through and then the first time i actually met also through people was at a, this is to my shame my great shame it was at a, an amana marth concert <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was in 2004 i think and by then i had uh, i had been kind of my own been saying I am I am also through because I had to found the word so I am this I don't know anybody else who is but maybe one day I'll find somebody who is yeah so I was at an Amon Amarth gig and I met and somebody saw my Thor's hammer tattoo this was back before Vikings were cool by the way <laughs> I'm just going to put this out there and Amon Amarth of course is part of why Vikings are so cool but this was before Amon Amarth was cool just putting that out there. <laughs> the ultimate Viking hipster. But uh, uh, no, but somebody saw my my. But at that time, uh, we went to see. I went to see Amanamarth, and there was maybe this was in New York City, and there was maybe only ten or fifteen people there to see Amanamarth. Nobody knew who they were. Uh, and so the group of people that were into Viking stuff was actually just a tiny little handful. And uh, two people noticed that I had a Thor's hammer tattoo. And they're like, I don't remember how they said it now, but with a New Jersey accent. Are you also true? <laughs> I can't do it. I, for, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard a New Jersey accent in a long time. So but uh, in, if you can imagine it. Uh, yeah, we're also true, too. Oh, cool. And through them. Uh, we exchanged information, and I discovered a really big, really big, uh, also true community spanning the Northeast United States. And Matthias is also familiar with many of them. This uh, network of people, and this network of people branches off into the European network. So this was like the stream into the international community, the slowly developing community of also true. And once I got into it, I just became. That was it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I know the several of the uh, Northeastern um, also true people through 
the Germans that I know, <laughs> you know. Right, right. Because the Germans who I know also uh, are, some of them are part of the same bloat group or a group of people who come together and do consider themselves to be the same, uh, what would you call it, a ritual circle, I guess you would call it a religious fellowship. They're in the same group as uh, some people in the Northeast. So. Yeah. No, it, it resumes uh, a lot with what uh, with my experiences as well. I mean, uh, the reason that um, we got into also true in my family was because my mom saw this guy from this organization in Denmark on TV back before there were there was any internet or anything like that and like in the mid 90s right. and, and it's like oh uh, uh th th this is a thing oh sounds pretty much like you know um what has always been like simmering in in, in our, our family anyway so there you go and then that's how we got into it i mean how does it work with I mean, it's not how to, to to really put this with, I guess you, you will have some people who have a very literal belief in the gods and, you know, will believe that they, they, they do exist. And, and then you will, I guess you'll have people who believe in them, I guess, symbolically and apply it in that way is how does that work with, with the community? Do you get kind of like different factions yep. or you, is that is that a thing? Do you get kind of you know some people who who go very heavily in and and it's it's very you know this this is what it is very literal very kind of so to almost like the Christian side of things that you know they believe in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is why I. This is one of the reasons why I made the point of saying it's uh, many different uh, movements, even different movements, different interpretations, different groups of people. Um, and, and depending on it's and this is uh, depending on the the individual people and their background, their cultural background and their family background and just uh, all of these things will immediately affect what kind of a view they have on Old Norse religion. And therefore it affects the kind of also true they create. And you get you get. Uh, Oh man, I, I could go on all day with different fights and arguments and uh, conflicts between people um, based on just their different interpretations. If I can just uh, butt in a second here, I think one of the major ones that, I, that I've noticed between uh, Scandinavia and the US or North America in general is that Scandinavians tend to think that Americans, uh, when they're also true, they're being very Christian about it. <laughs> It's like a way yeah. that that you see it. Uh, I mean, that doesn't that that's like a broad, you know, um, uh, prejudice. But uh, uh, of course, there there are so many different ways that people are also true here as well as in Europe. Right, but there is a but there is a truth to it, and 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 not among all. Of course, like you said, we have to remember we're always talking about lots of different groups of people. But when you're talking about large demographics, you do get larger percentages of people who are a certain way in one place than another. And in the United States, there are many people that approach also through in a very uh, literal, dogmatic. Uh, it, and you can tell it's very much derived from uh, uh, a Baptist, <laughs> Protestant, Christian background. Um, do you do you find that those those groups of people would then look down upon the people who 
who don't necessarily have that very literal belief, but still, you know, do, do you get the, they would then think of the, you know, people who don't think like them as almost not also true or they don't fit the same because they're not as literal. You get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get that. But, but, uh, and this is part of, there's also the, the quote reconstructionist debate. Uh, uh, how, how do you, because of course the very first question, once you, once you say, oh, well, I want to be this religion, I want to be a religion derived from this thing that existed a thousand years ago. The very next question has to be, how do I do it? <laughs> and, and that question has of course led to so many different, in, uh, you know, interpretations and approaches, which is part of what you're touching on. The, to, the belief in, to take the myths that we have literally well, I mean, I don't know how you could do that, but but that's because I, as a as a researcher of it, I, you know, when you know that a myth, when I could take Vulispau, we'll take Vulispau, one of the most popular, you know, poems or pieces of literature that we have, uh, and a, a core piece of the mythology, and and we can literally see Vulispau transforming just between just between manuscripts. Uh, <laughs> um, and and so you know we we know that these that the myths that we have changed tremendously. You know I could I could or Matthias could go on all day long with how these things changed over time. I, you guys talked about the Ragnarok recently, and Matthias was giving. You guys were talking about how some of how the Ragnarok myth came to be. So I don't know how, when you know this, you can take anything literal. You've got to find another approach of how to treat this stuff sacredly. But there are people who take it literally. And um, uh, and and there are people who also think that uh, they take the... Recon mm, I like the term reconstructionism, but I've realized that it has been used quite differently by a lot of people lately. Uh, it seems very popular now to use the term reconstructionist to refer to uh, taking the religion that existed during the Viking Age or before and um, recreating it now. And if you stray from, so therefore the sources and, and some of the, not just the sources, but some of the, uh, the, the academic literature becomes a kind of doctrine. Uh, where you you and and you see people they just quote what what is a what is a really what's a really popular source among uh, reconstruction Willem uh, Willem Gwenbeck. his Teutonic religion right that that's one of the things that gets quoted by so called reconstructionists all the time it's hilarious <laughs> it's like his his writings are like a hundred years old almost at this point right they're they're a hundred years old and and and. Uh, essentially, I mean, the only reason to read Wilhelm Grombeck today is if you have to do a historiography on the history of research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to read it if you're trying to understand Old Norse religion. It's so outdated. No, it's a, I mean, as, as a scholar of Old Norse religion, I'd never use him. <laughs> you know, only to criticize uh, uh, some of the th things that he's uh, been saying. I mean, he does he does say some valuable things here and there, but but nothing that's that's really essential uh, compared to what you know has been happening since he wrote his material. So exactly, exactly, and 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 of course the the nuggets of what he does say that has of 
any you know interest to it it's so enwrapped in layers of outdated stuff that it, it takes it takes an expert to kind of unravel it <laughs> so so i tell people who aren't i you know i i tell people to just if you're not researching old norse religion for a living and you don't have to do a historiography there's no reason to read <laughs> Grombeck when there is so much written in the last 30 years that is of tremendous value but anyways but to the point though you, you will get people that treat texts as a form of dogma um because they're trying to create something and, and i think they're taking a very christian approach where religion is book-based well i mean the, the interesting thing is that this is also a very a certain type of christian approach because uh, let's just keep in mind that the uh, you know most of the uh, stories in uh, about Christ are parables, right? Uh, that that's that's what we're dealing with here: uh, uh, different kinds of analogies and, uh, and and instructive stories that aren't supposed to be taken literal in the first place, right? Uh, they're they're supposed to be applicable to life in different ways, and and then you have this evangelical fundamentalism that uh, you know. You know, comes from the U.S. It it arises in the 19th century here in the U.S. and 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 is uh, taking uh, this material literally, and that's why we now have you know a uh, Jesus museum with Noah's Ark and I don't know what in where is it Kansas or yep. Missouri or something Kentucky <laughs> Kentucky Kentucky yeah. and it's just nonsense. My parents done been there. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, um, I, you know what I also blame for this? Uh, I, I, I blame uh, there really needs to be an emphasis on the social sciences, um, sociology and anthropology, um, be, because people, I have, and I see this so much in, in, in also through, People, they, they know that there are all these sources, but they don't almost, it's very difficult to know how to use them. And, and, and so it's very natural to then try to interpret them, you know, literally, or it's very simple to say, well, is it literal or is it metaphoric? That's, 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 there are so many more ways to look at it. Um, but we, we, there's not much of an emphasis on the social sciences in the United States until you get to a higher you know, you have to basically specialize in anthropology. You have to go to college for anthropology to learn anthropology. And that's kind of ridiculous because this, these approaches would be, you know, an anthropological approach or a sociological approach to religion is important. It's really important for being able to understand it, including Christianity in the United States, I think desperately needs more discourse on how can you receive religion? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think it's, it's very easy for people to interpret things, that will fit their opinion or how they look at things. I think it's a very human nature where we don't want to admit that we're wrong. So if we have an opinion a certain way, it takes a very strong mind to then forget that and say, you know what, this has come up and I actually am willing to change my opinion to this because of the evidence. Whereas most people will read things and, and kind of go, oh, well, this part fits what I'm thinking. So I'm only going to quote this little section or only listen to this little bit because it suits them and they don't even do it consciously people people just do that subconsciously and that's the hardest part <laughs> absolutely so here's a question i don't know whether this is controversial in any any way or not um do you think you could be atheist and also true yes is that 
Okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, I wouldn't use the word. I wouldn't use the. I I I guess because the term atheist. Maybe Matthias can correct me if he or can tell me if he has a different insight. But the term atheist seems only applicable in a in a in a context like Christianity or or Islam, where where or where you're talking about uh, is there God or is there not God. But if we're talking about an animistic kind of a uh, pay, these these more uh, pagan kinds of ways of looking at the world, uh, atheist doesn't really apply. However, I I know what you're saying. What you're saying is, can you believe? Would ag- agnostic be a better word? No, no. <laughs> if I can just uh, butt in for a second here, so yeah, um, in the sense of like, do you have to believe in the gods literally? Um, do you have to believe in them as like existing in the same way and all that stuff? There are so many uh, people who identify out there as heathens or also true, um, who definitely do not believe in the existence of gods and spirits and, and all that stuff. There, there are so many out there. That's the, uh, I, I mean, look at the surveys from Iceland. And you can see that, the, you know, uh, of, of those, who, what is it? There's like a survey from 2007 where people were asked, um, and I believe it was, you know, people who otherwise said that they were also true. They were asked if, if they believed in the Nordic gods, and it was like 2% who said that they actually believed in them. Like it's, the, the, the figure is so low uh, in, in so, some communities, and in other communities, communities, it's so high. And you know what? Go back. And read ancient Roman literature. Go back and read ancient Greek literature. And, you know, these pre-Christian peoples in the Mediterranean who had literature were, you know, had the same range of... of, of, Yeah, they were always arguing. Yeah, they were always arguing. Did the gods exist or not? They had the same range as we do today. From complete atheism and agnosticism uh, to people who believe fervently in a literal presence of Zeus and all that stuff, right? So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it was back in ancient Scandinavia too. That's how it is today. The, the question here is the subject of belief in and of itself. That is a very Christian thing. It, do you believe or do you not believe? As Josh said in the beginning, that, that's a very Christian Islamic thing of like questioning your belief. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I use myself as an example to kind of go back to that question now, Personally, I'm I'm kind of of the mind that I think we we don't know. Um, I certainly don't know what comes after this. You know, I don't necessarily believe that there is a god or there is any gods as such. I, I'm very science based, but obviously, I do have a a deep interest in sort of the Norse religions. So I'm kind of thinking, where would I sit amongst that? Because I guess I would be described as an atheist in a christian's views but also you know i do have the interest in the norse norse religious side of things but not from a very literal standpoint i think the way that you describe yourself right there and your your own relationship to this is very similar to the way that most scandinavians would describe their relationship to christianity like that that's that's how people in denmark tend to believe in god like um and and i mean it's the same for me um, I, I would say when people ask me about these things, I'm like the Nordic gods exist in my worldview. That's how I say it. 
And it's pretty much none of anybody's business how they exist in, in my worldview. That's just that's just me, you know. Right. There's a uh, I have a <clears throat> I actually uh, th this is a kind of a central question that I face all the time because uh, well I'm and it's one of the reasons why I'm doing my PhD looking at also through and its relationship to old Norse religion. Um, be, uh, I am. Uh, I uh, I run the the rituals for uh, in the United States every year. Uh, there's this big event called the East Coast Thing, and uh, it's a uh, it's a pretty big event. I, th I think it, I don't know of another also true event that regularly gets as many people. Uh, it's uh, been this it's been going on for 21, 22 years. Uh, it takes place in Pennsylvania. And uh, all the different also true groups around there come come to not everybody obviously you have to pay money because you have to go it's a camping site and you're there for four days so a lot of people it's kind of money based and travel based if you can get time off based but we get two hundred people uh, a year um, and and uh, and this has been going on for two decades I run the rituals the the main rituals for for this event. And so I'm dealing with 200 people coming from different backgrounds with different groups every year. So it's a central thing that I'm always, you know, trying to come to terms with. And, and it's, it's become a theme in my, in my thesis, in my PhD thesis. And one of the ways that I look at it is from a bit of a sociological uh, perspective, because you know, you can argue all day long about whether the gods exist or if they don't exist, but the myths of gods, the myths of heroes, the aesthetics of them, the rituals based around them, symbols, you know, myths, symbols, rituals, music, all of these things have real world impacts on those who experience them. And these are all ways of uh, reflecting and looking at our relationships with one another, with the natural world, uh, with our own emotions, even with ourselves, and and Christianity is is got its own set of you know mythology and symbolism, and all of the world of mythology affects, or sorry, the world of Christianity affects and reflects the society, you know, people that are involved in it, and also through is exactly, it does the same thing. You've got a group of people, their rituals, the way that they use the gods, the way that they, you know, the myths and the symbols, they create a, a way of navigating relationships with one another and uh, how we look at the world. So I look at it as a, you know, Norse mythology, and this, this can apply to all religions, is a sacralized way of looking at the world and reflecting on the world. And so it doesn't matter. This is how I look at it, and this is how I try and teach other people to kind of look at it. And it's the approach that I use when I'm trying to come up with uh, rituals that don't have half of 200 people wanting to kill the other half of 200 people because they don't agree on something. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you know, you have to come up with rituals and you have to find a point. And to me, one of the points is to try and create a world, I hate this term, but world positive to kind of, you know, you, you as a ritual performer, you are manipulating people. Maybe I learned this from Terry, my uh, my uh, my advisor who specializes in in drama and the use of ritual <laughs> and how it affects those who are involved. But it's true, it does. 
And so therefore we can create, we can use Norse mythology to positively reinforce one another and to try and shine a light on things. I know Matthias has been doing this a bit lately with, uh, and a friend, uh, uh, I forgot his last name, Rune, uh, with, with, uh, who runs the, uh, the, uh, uh, Nordic animist, uh, group, uh, are shining a light on, uh, uh, conservationism and, 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 uh, uh, you know, the natural world and our use of it, our exploitation of it. You can use Norse mythology to do these kinds of things. And so it doesn't matter if at the end of the day, the question of do gods exist or not, it's so beside the point. <laughs> there are so much better ways to use Norse mythology and there's so much healthier ways for also true to be. Yeah. And you know, I, I mean, the, the things that you're describing right there, that, that's exactly the, the, the kind of roles that other types of activities that, you know, regular people engage in in so many different ways uh, all the time, right? You know, concerts play the same role in people's lives, for instance, or can play the exactly. same role. Yeah. Uh, and other kinds of things as well. So, um, I don't know, probably spring break uh, in, in on Miami Beach can have the same, <laughs> the same meaning for people, right? Uh, so, so yeah, you just, uh, you could ask yourself, like, do you want to load, load those experiences up with, um, with something that uh, has deeper meaning for me or, or, or do I not? And, and, and there you go, right? Like it's, a, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's not, it's not, there's nothing auspicious about it or conspicuous for that matter. No. <laughs> right. Uh, and this is actually why I think, uh, Midgard's Blut is so interesting and 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 weird, but weird in a good way. Yeah. So, it, Josh, can you describe your, you know, what do you do for Midgard's blood? <laughs> um, <coughs> well, um, as of this year, I am officially now uh, uh, an organizer of Midgard's blood. Um, I'm. Uh, I don't actually know what my official title is because I haven't been given it yet, Vicky. And, uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Vicky and I, she's above me and, uh, then I'm below her, uh, in charge of, uh, setting up and running and communicating between the lecturers. So I'm in charge of, uh, uh, organizing the, the, uh, the lecture side of Mikor's Blut. And, and as you know, uh, the lecture side of Mikor's Blut is a big, a big part of the appeal for a lot of people. Um, yeah, and just so so that people who are listening know what we're talking about, Midgard's Blot is this large um, semi-historical, um, uh, you know, concert um, festival thing that takes place at Bora <laughs> in Norway. <laughs> yeah, it takes a. It's a. I mean, it started out, I, I believe, as a as a metal festival that happened. You know, there, there's this historic grounds, uh, the Bora Park. Where they have the, the there's these burial burial mounds which which I think are highly have been overlooked for too long by the academic world because uh, they're just about as old as the the mounds in Uppsala and and clearly the kings that were there in Bura were trying to do something very similar in fact Bura is mentioned in uh, Yinlingital but this is me nerding out too hard but um <laughs> they have a reconstruct there's a museum there there's a culture center there there's a reconstructed hall there and they put on cultural events and at some point they put on a metal fest and that took off 
And it's and for perfect, re, you know, it, to me, it's perfectly rational. Take advantage of the situation and the scenario. And it started becoming a metal slash Norse culture blend of things. And so you have, uh, you have, uh, of course, I think the, the number one biggest, I think the, I think uh, Einar Selvik, I think uh, he might not admit it, but he knows it's true. Vardruna and he himself are kind of the golden, he's the golden child of Vigar's <laughs> Um So you have the, you have this Nordic spiritual ambient kind of music, whatever you want to describe Vardruna as. And then you've got the so many bands that are, shall we say, inspired by Varjuna that 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 are also playing at the, at uh, this event. And you've got folk metal bands and actual black and death metal bands. And then you've got lecturers that are ranging from artists to uh, people who are helping with comic books to hardcore academics. Uh, Terry Gunnell lectured last year. Have you lectured yet there, Matthias? I'm scheduled to do it this year. Um, if it, you know, takes off, like we don't, we don't know if it's going to happen, right? <laughs> no, we don't know. It's currently, it's currently fingers crossed, and we just don't know. But um, yeah, and I've lectured, I've, I've lectured there uh, the last couple years. This was, um, yeah, last lectured the last couple years, and uh, my band has played there. It's a, uh, it's fantastic. It's become my favorite place it's a really awesome place yeah it's a place where pop culture and metal and i I, you know a lot of people including me we kind of i love metal and i love clearly norse mythology and 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 uh and i'll and and i describe myself as also true um but we i don't like the i don't like the blend all the time the to i don't i like to kind of get nervous about that constant uh mixing of metal and also through however in this location that blend works really well because it allows there to be such a dynamic and a discussion between different types of uh subcultures um and so it's really fascinating yeah no it's a i i think it's a great invention to be honest um because it also it's it it's not just a a a way for you know heavy metal and and nordic mythology and viking age to come together it's also you know a place for um quote unquote normal people who aren't necessarily into heavy metal or one of the few things to, to actually also interact with these things and see that oh wait um these these uh, geeks who uh, like metal they're they're pretty just normal people you know what <laughs> Right, right, right. They're just big nerds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I we we haven't had a chance to get over yet and and visit. Um, something that we keep meaning to to do, and hopefully this year was going to be the first time we were going to get there and and trade. But depending on how things how things work out, we'll uh, we'll have to see. Yeah. If it doesn't happen this year, it happens next year, but it doesn't really feel good thinking about something being a full year <laughs> away. But More than a year. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Fingers crossed it happens, but we'll see. You know, <clears throat> back to the corona situation. We're in the... We're in the middle of it now, so it feels endless. But like you pointed out, uh, England has only been going through it for, what, two weeks? We've we've been on a lockdown for, for two weeks, so... Right, and, and 
it's it feels like it's our whole world, but it's not been that long, and and August is still what three months away, the end of August. A lot of things can still happen, you know. A lot of things can still happen. I th- I think May. I think this month and the first. I think April and April and May is going to really be what determines what our next six months look like. Yeah, I think it's just whether the whether they get panicked into canceling early. Like, there's a lot of things that have been cancelled in foresight where they may have been perfectly okay to go ahead. Right, I I don't Midgar's Blute's not panicking. Uh, they're they're I think they've got a pretty good view on it. The the problem, my personal concern, and I think this is the main concern for everybody, uh, because uh, well I, I won't talk about the circumstances that allow it to be put on, but but one of the biggest concerns that I've been thinking of is what if Norway. Yeah, Norway opens up again, but they still keep the ban on larger gatherings for another. They might want to be safe and say, well, yeah, we're open up again, but we still want to not allow, you know, more than 50 people for the next six months. That fucks all concerts. There are many different factors. I mean, there's also, you know, from from the U.S. side of things, can you even get a plane out of the country? Uh, that's That's a problem that we're seeing right now. Um, because the airlines are shutting down. But I think that I, th- I think that if people can't come from America, but they can come from other parts of the world, uh, uh, I was uh, talking to the main organizer, and she was pointing out the percentages of people who come from where, and and that does make a make a difference because um, the organizers of an event are the ones that are going to really be taking the brunt of the, you know, the hit when it yeah. happens. So you try to find a balance. What I'm also worried about is, of course, all those people out there who are losing their jobs right now, and here in the U.S. who don't have health care either. Um, I mean, there are so many, so many people who would uh, actually save uh, out of their salary as as like uh, bartenders and you know restaurant workers and so on to go to events like these because they're so dedicated fans, and those are the people that I'm really worried about. Yeah, you know, and. and that's my biggest worry in general is how many 20 people in their 20s and people in their 30s in our generation are living month to month most of us live month to month that's a fucking fact it's a fact of it's a it's a it's the fact of our generation um, we live month to month kind of paycheck to paycheck and and uh, that's the uh, how do I put it? That's something that I'm really concerned about when it comes to the the this Corona situation. Is what's it going to do to our generation? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, oh yeah, only time will tell. And I, I, going going back to Midgar's plot, I think it takes somebody to be the first person who says we're going to put on an event, because if you're the first person to do it, and then people get infected there and it kind of sparks up again, it automatically brings a lot of negative attention that you don't necessarily want. So, you know, people have to start putting these events on because people will sit back because they don't really want to be the first one to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's a... Um, I, I'm, I'm really... <laughs> I'm really hoping 
this is gonna it's gonna sound insensitive maybe um, and I am insensitive I'm a black metal vocalist but uh, uh I have this hope that that the studies that are being done as are as more you know they're, they're finding out more and more people are infected than they previously thought and I'm not hoping for that but I kind of am hoping for that because because if it's widespread um, then there might be a point where they release a study and they or not release a study but enough evidence is put together where they say all right we've looked at the covid you know data and it's significantly widespread um, in fact I could almost I could pull up right now or if you go to the the C, the CDC or the what's it called the the world measurement the world there's a I forgot but uh, the, the website that tells yeah, you yeah the statistics kind of like yeah, the and, live yeah day and every yeah. every day they put out uh, they put out an update with exactly how many well not exactly but the what was reported for deaths and new cases and stuff like that and if you go down if you go down to Italy and you go down to I think it was yesterday or the day before they 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 show how they're estimating that uh, up to 20 uh, I think it was 20 million uh, uh, Italians might have our might have it because of the uh, people who have very minor or asymp or they're asymptomatic um, and now they're talking about okay well that's not quite enough for herd 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 immunity but that's a third of Italy um, if this statistic is true we still need to do more research we know that a lot more people have it than who are reported because the people that are tested are the people who actually go and get tested that are so sick until recently you know and now they're getting caught up with the testing people but for the longest time the data was based on only people who were sick enough to go to to the emergency room and that's a very small sample group and now they're realizing and and you know and then and in Italy Italy was one of the worst places for this to happen because Italy uh, has a very old population and and every year the Italian uh, the Italian hospitals already struggle with the amount of people that they get from just the flu. Now I'm not comparing COVID to the flu, just for listeners out there. But the hospitals, <laughs> uh, the hospitals do. We're already struggling every year um, to keep up with the demand for patients from the flu, and then they got hammered with this new sickness on top of that, and it was the the perfect storm. And so the whole West, the whole West kind of sees this and takes extreme measures uh, to be safe you know, precautions. And now we're starting to get a little bit caught up with the research. And I'm hoping that the the research gives us a little bit of uh, optimistic news on the virus itself and its lethality. And that will allow things to open up. My hope is that we realize it's not as lethal as we're afraid. And that allows governments to say, okay, we can start to open up because now we have a read on the virus and we know it's not because we have to remember, most of the shutdowns were because we don't know much about this virus. We have to be safe. I mean, my main concern isn't specifically the, the, the lethality of the disease itself. I think it's the people who... I think there's going to be so many deaths that aren't attributed to COVID-19, but happen because this is going on. So, I mean, I it would be the worst time to have a heart attack now or to be in a car accident, to have a stroke, to have any kind of other illness because the hospitals are so overrun. So I guess you will get 
such a subsect of people who who are ill, who who unfortunately pass away because they can't get the healthcare, but won't necessarily go down as a statistic of COVID nineteen. Yeah, my my mom actually, my mother actually specifically was explaining to me uh, how their their hospital. Uh, where she is dealing with in upstate New York, they only have two people, or at least as of two weeks ago, they had two people that that were diagnosed with having uh, COVID or whatever you want to call it, the coronavirus. Um, however, the hospital, she was saying, it is completely overrun and they're working insane hours and they can't keep up. They can't keep up because people are continuing to call the triage people who are panicking, who aren't actually sick. And and what they're doing is, and, and also the, all the new precautions that they have to take, um, they've had to push back all their normal patients. And, 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 and I have a, I have a friend who uh, has to get a semi-regular cancer treatment and she's had her cancer treatment postponed. That's, 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 yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, and, and this is, there have been, there have been cancellations and postponements of, uh, uh, can, of operations and cancer treatment and, and because this virus has taken front seat and I can't help but really wonder when and how we start to balance things. I want to, I, I want to end on a positive note with a silver lining. <laughs> no, let's we, end on a black note. <laughs> before we go deep in the, in those, um, you know, the rabbit hole here. So, uh, as far as I've seen so far, news out of Iceland, Norway, uh, Germany, and Italy now, uh, Denmark too, things are looking up. Like things are turning around in these places. Yes, That's what I'm seeing. They I'm seeing are now. It's it's America, man. It's America. We're gonna. Europe is starting to turn turn it around. Um, <laughs> we're gonna watch. I'm waiting. I'm waiting because America is gonna become Mad Max land. Oh yeah, we're looking forward to it. I mean, uh, this it's gonna be great. <laughs> I mean, ma- mass hysteria and access to guns can never be a good combination. Oh, come on, it'll be fine. <laughs> Hey, I'm the one. I'm the one who lives over here. I, 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 I think you'll be fine. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's been fun. Let's let's wrap this one up. I mean, Josh, we're gonna have you on a bunch of times. We're gonna discuss all sorts of different things. I personally want to talk about like the occult side of things, and we were talking about earlier the cult of Odin, sure. that kind of stuff. That's really fascinating for me for us to talk about in a in a separate episode. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, I don't know if you want to give a shout out for your Instagram, your band Instagram, where they can find you, where they can listen. Uh, I, uh, I'm not shouting out. No, you can. <laughs> uh, I mean, my Instagram. If you find me, then hey, you found me. But uh, the band is uh, Nexion, N-E-X-I-O-N, from uh, Iceland, and you just type that in, and you'll find it. You, we're on, uh, we're on Spotify. We're on. Uh, Bandcamp, we're on YouTube. You can find us at the uh, the uh, Avant Garde Music website. So you you just Google, you'll find us. I used to use your music on my YouTube channel too. So. Yeah, you yeah. did, but uh, keep your eyes peeled because uh, there's some cool cool shit coming up. So with awesome. With well, thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.